This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. It's going to be hot as blazes today. And I got thinking about air conditioners. And I'm going to be able to to give you some serious knowledge about air conditioning. Because you're going to need it. And we just think, well, I'll turn the air conditioning on. I remember going in 1995. I moved to from an apartment that was air conditioned to a house with the first um, girlfriend that I lived with. And uh, we weren't meant to be or to last or maybe to anything, but whatever. Um, we uh, we lived together. And I remember my mom helped uh, helped us buy. I think she even brought it over. One of those window air conditioners. You see them in apartment buildings all the time. And this thing was loud, loud. But we needed it um, because it was a it was just a heat box. Uh, I'm not talking about the relationship. Trust me. I'm talking more about the temperature inside the the apartment it was like upstairs of a house and then you go on in life and you're like air conditioning really really matters we rented a house in ajax once and it was a newer model house and we just rented it for a year so we could get ourselves together coming up from the states so we could figure out how to buy a house and where and we wanted to figure out where we wanted to live and whatnot and uh, i love ajax and i love where we are but uh we found we turned the air conditioning on one day in like a hot day in June, we probably moved in in late April and we're like, OK, today's the day to start the air conditioning. And there's a button for it in the house and a like a slide uh, rule. But then we found out there was no air conditioner attached. So we called the landlord and they had an air conditioner installed like two days later. They just forgot among uh, putting everything together. You might be surprised to know that in Ontario, central air as a percentage of all households hasn't really gone up. Since 2015, 69% of all households in Ontario have central air. I would have said much higher. In the United States, it's over 80%. It's over 80%. It's only 69 in Ontario. Now, you might make the case, Greg, it's only so many months a year and so many weeks a year. We need air conditioning. And that's true. Any type of air conditioner, by the way, as a percentage of all households is 84%. And it's up from 78% back in 2013. So it's almost, it's eight and a half out of 10. It's 17 out of 20 to be precise. But central air, I thought would be more, but it ends up being expensive. There's no question it ends up being expensive. Alex Epstein is a big, um, now he's very, how would I put it? He, uh, he recognizes climate change. He recognizes the earth is getting warmer, but he makes the point that because of that, We've got to expand our grit. And he also makes the point that some of these countries are starting to come in and, and subdivisions and houses are getting air conditioning for the very first time. And and they like it just like we do. They they start to find it an essential part of life. Like, where can I go? What Will it have air conditioning? You wouldn't go to too many places today that didn't have AC. Epstein says this about some of those developing uh, global countries where air conditioning is a luxury. People lack air conditioning all over the place. Air conditioning is still a luxury. You think people in India wouldn't take air conditioning plus two degrees warmer? They absolutely would. They take, would take air conditioning in 10 degrees warmer, probably. That's it. That's exactly it. By the way, many of you are very much environmentalists, right? You're, I'm an environmentalist. I'm trying to think of who they are. We got to get to net zero. We have to stop using so much of our... Are you turning the air conditioning off today? Oh, 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 you're going to use your air conditioning. Oh, I, I didn't know if you knew this, but um, that takes electricity and air conditioning plays a massive role in the ongoing issue of climate change. 
you, oh, you get that relief from heat and you get a little bit more comfortable inside. Fantastic. But nothing pumps greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere more than air conditioning does. Air conditioners use about 6% of all of our electricity in Canada. All of our electricity. We pay $3.2 billion. Uh, that's our annual cost of air conditioning, Canada. $3.2 billion. One, uh, what's the number? 12 million metric tons of carbon dioxide in Canada released into the air each year. So I'm really, all those climate warriors, and listen, I'm going to tell you climate change is real. I'm going to tell you that we should use less fossil fuels. I'm going to tell you all that stuff. But air conditioners are more polluting than airplanes. Think about that. Air, I'm going to say it again. Air conditioners are more polluting than airplanes. Don't worry about that carbon footprint if you take a, a flight here and there over the calendar year. You should be more worried if your air conditioning is on full blast. It makes me physically angry walking into a hotel room and it's 63 in the room and the air's been on for seven hours with nobody there. What is that? We need a law against that, of all things. Uh, Epstein continues on by documenting uh, just exactly what these issues are and, and what encompasses where we're going with adding a, adding a degree or two of temperature like we're doing today. Today, air conditioning is one of the most significant contributors to climate change. 10% of global electricity consumption is used to cool buildings. And worse, the energy that we use for cooling is on track to triple by 2050. Running today's cooling systems creates millions of tons of greenhouse gas emissions from running the machines themselves and the dangerous chemicals inside them. We've cooled ourselves into a crisis. This is the paradox of air conditioning. Oh, it's a paradox, all right. I wanted to point it out because I hear a lot of people who want to save the planet, but their AC is going to be on full blast today. Full blast. We rely on them to keep our families cool, our pets cool, our elderly cool. Remember all the debate about long-term care and air conditioning over the last couple of years. I think we should have more air conditioning in schools. I do. I'm pro-air conditioning. But I'm also, you know, wary of some of the hypocrisy given the large amount of energy that air conditioning uses. And if we're going to, by the way, the prime minister, you heard him on the show yesterday. We played that clip. 40 million Canadians. Way to go, guys. We're going to have to make sure that many of those hundreds of thousands of people coming every year have air conditioning on uh, on degree on days when we hit 39 on the Humidex like today. Uh, 416-870-6400 via text. Let's say good morning to uh, Shiba Siddiqui, who no doubt, like me when I get home, We'll have the air conditioning on. I don't we couldn't couldn't function without it. I think we can admit that. Absolutely. You know, there was a summer that I tried my husband and I, we thought, you know, let's see how long we can go without turning our air conditioning on. So we went and we purchased several fans, one for our, you know, all the kids rooms. We had one in the kitchen. We had one, you know, in the family room, all over the house. Uh, and we actually made it to August. I think mid-August, <laughs> but it, it was a summer of just being drenched in sweat. And then we were like, forget this. Just turn the AC on. I love I love the fans. And my parents, I don't think, got air conditioning in their house till maybe 1990 or so. So all I remember in the late 70s, early 80s growing up there, they had these two fluffy dogs. These two, they had Samoyeds first, and then they had Alaskan Malamutes. But oh. they had these huge fans that were the size of like a mini fridge. And the dogs would just sit in front of the fans <laughs> block the air and then their their hair would get blown all over the room it was like like there's just these puff balls of of their own hair going like floating through the air because of how high the fans were on and the fact they were sitting right in front of it but 
that was that now admittedly that was a, a time when i bet you in the 80s like 30 percent of canadian homes or ontario homes had air conditioning that, yes you yes. never went anywhere to a friend's birthday party when you were nine or ten years old <laughs> you never went anywhere that had it. I, I wonder when hotels first had air conditioning they didn't have it in 1980 oh, it been, there's no way i don't know it must have been such a luxury though when they first got it yeah does that drive you nuts when you go into a room and it's already like yes, fired it's up? It's full blast. Yes. And you have to turn it up because it's just way too cold. Who's going to want it that cold? I think they want you to walk in. It's part of their experience. You know, you've had a long yeah. day. You've been traveling. You have your luggage and you walk into a nice, cool, clean room. But it's it's too much. That's got to be. And you know, it's worrisome because my kids, I mean, today's going to be a scorcher. Yeah. Uh, two of my kids are on the lake all day. They're, they're sailing. So they're going to be, they're going to be drained. I loved the heat when I was a teenager. Like, I just loved it. I loved playing tennis in it. I'd go for a run. My roommates thought I was crazy. I, there's something that's changed, and I don't like it now. Like, I was struggling yesterday, and I couldn't tell whether that was just... Like, I explained this to my mom. So I, I told you I went and played golf with my dad. I'm thinking, okay, I'm up at 345. I drive 45 minutes into work. We do a three-and-a-half-hour show. I drive another two-and-a-half hours. I've walked the course for three-and-a-half hours, and I know I've got wow. about another two and a half, three hours to drive home. So, and then driving in this morning. So I'm probably like, I, I think I just had a, like a 10 minute lapse where I just laid there and I'm like, can you guys give me a minute? <laughs> and they're looking at me and they're like, we're in our late seventies. You should be able to handle this. I could yeah, tell I was getting that look. People who don't work a morning show don't understand. I noticed that people, they don't understand how tired you are come like three, four in the afternoon. Oh my. If you haven't napped. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. All right. We spotted uh, that Canadians will get their grocery rebate payments uh, tomorrow, potentially by direct deposit. You must have filed your taxes for 2021. Um, but it's complicated, isn't it, Sheba? There's a lot of people that are, might be looking for it tomorrow that won't be eligible for it. And there's so many, um, so many parameters as to if you're married, if you're single, if you're divorced, if you have this, yes. this amount of kids, that amount of kids, it, it, it is complicated. Some people might get it and be surprised. Some people might not get it and wonder where it is. Yes, and that's going to lead to a slew of calls to CRA. So this was, I mean, we saw what happened with inflation and grocery prices, and some of those prices in the grocery stores are still very shocking when you're purchasing things. So as of tomorrow, it's going to uh, hit most people's accounts who are eligible for this. It's sort of like a rebranded GST rebate, uh, and it's it varies. The amount varies based on if you're single, if you're married. Now, we all know that if you're married, you get more money for everything, right? That's a... It's, it's, it's a fact. It's a good reason to overlook your partner's flaws. I think <laughs> I've been told that. I don't. I don't say that, but they say that about me. And you just more it, household income. And you can write yes. your kids off on your taxes. This is the good thing about yes. children. So this is. I mean, this is the first time in a long time I've ever seen. I mean, me being a mother of four kids. If you have up to four kids and you're single, you're eligible for almost six hundred and thirty dollars. Oh. Uh, if you're married, same thing. Six hundred and thirty dollars. If you have up to four kids, so with each child, it increases. Uh, but you also get something if you don't have any children as well. So this, a lot of people are going to be really happy to see this in their accounts. I think so. Morning. I think so. What I don't hear so far is the yelling. Do you remember when um, the uh, the pandemic was happening and the provincial government would give out mu like a tech bonus and they'd be like buy a laptop or upgrade your wi-fi and you heard like it felt like the t the teacher unions were screaming well how do we know that how do we know they're going to spend the the parents are going to spend the money on the actual computer on or on their kids education this isn't right and Stephen lecce and blah 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 i don't hear that here you could spend the 628 dollars on anything 
Like, we're not giving you, like, food stamps or grocery gift certificates. We're just sending you cash. Well, I think we've already, it's putting it back into our pockets. The amount of money yeah. we've all already spent at the grocery store. So, I mean, I mean, some of these prices were absolutely ridiculous. And they still are for certain things that you, you, have, you would never think twice about buying before. Certain produce or whatever it is. So, I think that this is very, it's overdue. Uh, and even seniors are eligible, an average of $225 that they can get back as well. Two things. Um, my wife and my son went to the grocery store Sunday afternoon and she came back and she just was like, yeah, she was, she's not a rant and raver about the prices, but she said there was an orange juice that was over $10. I'm like, how much orange juice could be in? Like I'm, I'm, there's a two, two and a half liter, um, container that we always buy. There's no way that that could be $10. And she said there was a yogurt. That was over ten dollars. Yeah, I believe you, you it. just don't expect to to see those things. And I don't know the answer. Like I, you can't you can't cap profits for private companies, but they've got us right. They know. I, I always use this example, Sheba. There's so many. We don't have to buy concert tickets, and we don't have to buy plane tickets, and we don't have to do this. And we have to eat. We all have to eat. So they've got That's us. That's it. We don't need backyard patio furniture. We don't need, there's so many things we don't have to utilize. You can't buy used food. You can buy used clothing, used furniture, used baby items. You can't buy used food. So we have to go to these places. I wish even, the one thing I thought about even driving in this morning is it's a shame that they can't give you a rebate uh, that allows you to go to a smaller, like not one of the giant food chains, and then maybe get in a rhythm and a pattern of, because we need competition here. It's very clear there's three or four companies that are just, I don't think they're conspiring to do it, but they're jamming us. And I don't doubt that their costs are up as well. But when they're making more profits and and nobody That's else it. is, it's obvious that there, there's some gouging happening. It's just patently obvious. This is, and it's private companies. And honestly, I, I don't hate them for it. A lot of people do. I get it. You're doing what what you do best, what you're supposed to be doing, uh, but it really affects the rest of us. And this isn't specialty items in the grocery stores. These are everyday items, butter, milk, produce. These, these are things that we all need and use on a regular basis. Gord, you found a brick of butter for six bucks? Oh, and then when it goes on sale for a dollar less? Was someone churning it themselves? And no. do you get to rent them for no, an hour to do no some... It's no name. It's no name butter handy, at that. Handyman stuff wow. at home? And when it goes on sale for like 50 cents or a dollar, everyone's like Gollum and grabbing it all. And it's just like, my precious. <laughs> There's a fight in the butter aisle? <laughs> yeah. Homemade shivs are being happened. It's made out of sticks of butter. It's just, it's craziness. I'm not sure about that. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, pretty great reporting from Global News about this uh, tension point that could be coming between the Trudeau government and the Ford government about the Greenbelt. It feels like the only stop that the federal government could make here is about endangered species. Um, and uh, though they've been getting along just great, really, in a post-pandemic universe, there hasn't been too many tension points between Premier Ford and Prime Minister Trudeau. This all could change if the federal government steps in to prevent some uh, some level of development, at, at least at the minimum, of Ontario's Greenbelt. Uh, doing some of that reporting and uh, breaking this this morning is our Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News. He is, of course, Colin DeMello. Colin, thanks very much for coming on the show. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we've seen a real, um, I won't call it the uh, a special relationship, but the Trudeau-Ford relationship, I'd say, Colin, in the last year and a half, 
has been, as the premier likes to say, tickety-boo. They've been um, in St. Thomas announcing EV um, uh, battery factories. They've been together at the various announcements. And unlike at points in time in the pandemic, where naturally tensions were a bit frayed and uh, policies kind of intersected, they've been getting along great. This may change that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the relationship between the two levels of government is actually like multifaceted, right? You've got cabinet ministers like Ontario's uh, Minister of Economic Development, who, you know, texts, is on a text basis with Francois-Philippe Champagne, the Minister of Industry federally. Uh, uh, Premier Doug Ford often talks in very glowing terms about the Deputy uh, Premier, uh, the Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christian Freeland. And of course, you know, what's what's good for Trudeau seems to be good for Ford when it comes to uh, the economy. But when it comes to environmental issues, that's where there seems to be a bit of a flashpoint between the federal environment minister and the Ford government. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, during a, a lot of moments uh, in this relationship where Stephen Gibbeau has either commented or acted in a way to kind of slow down provincial projects. One of them is Highway 413. And what the federal government can use is uh, the, the Endangered Species Act federally. They can use that Species at Risk Act to kind of you know, delay projects that the province wants to do that the federal government has some jurisdiction over. They can say, okay, well, let's examine the land and see if there are any species that are potentially endangered. And if there are, the government can say, okay, well, we need to undertake our own studies, and basically that can take however long, and they can slow down the project and frustrate the province. And now it seems when it comes to the green belt, there is there are some species, about uh, 29 or so at-risk species, living in these 7,400 acres of green belt that the Ford government has removed for housing development. And, and the, the federal government could, they haven't said that they're going to, but they could look at this list and say, well, hang on a second. Should we be developing here? Can the federal government intervene in some of these projects? Can it stop uh, or or delay the, the actual construction of housing. So we don't know what the government's going to do, but at least they have this list. Yeah, and and it. I, I wonder if people will debate um, whether or not the plan is to slow it down, or whether it's to kill it entirely, or whether they meet in the middle and say, let's find some happy medium here to where it's not zero development, but it isn't what you'd plan. Let's compromise on this. Well, and that's where the complexity of this relationship between the federal and the provincial government really comes into play, right? I mean, we really haven't seen this type of a relationship in a long time between Ontario and the federal government. And so you've got the prime minister and the premier working together hand in hand when it comes to the economy. And, and you know, everyone seems to be aligned on this goal of building as much housing as possible in order to make it more affordable and attainable. So you have, on one hand, an environment minister that could be looking to interfere in projects a prime minister and a premier who agree that housing um, is, a, is at a crisis point in this province and in this country. And so you know, where, where do you kind of find that, that middle ground where the two can work together, even though they're ideologically opposed? Um, this, this is going to be interesting. The, the federal government has had this list of 29 endangered um, species, whether it's birds, reptiles, mammals, or, in, uh, or insects that are protected by federal laws. They've had this list since about March, and we don't know exactly what they're going to do with it. We don't know mm -hmm. why they have this list, why this was compiled, but we know that this list exists. So it could be their trump card, their ace up their sleeve, if they really want to maybe win a few votes in Ontario uh, during the next federal election by, you know, smoking a provincial plan 
and, and getting a lot of people who are left of center on the progressive side um, to, to vote for them. We don't know how they're going to employ this list. We just know that they have this list for now. Colin DeMello is our guest, of course, Queens Park Bureau Chief, joining us on Toronto Today. One such uh, animal, um, I'll bring it up, is bland is the Blanding's turtle. And it's an odd one, but it just gives people context here. It's this turtle, it's got a yellow neck, and it's listed on, on, uh, on an Ontario.ca website as threatened status and how they would protect this species at risk. But to your point, it is one of these 29 species that it would appear the federal government is concerned you're going to wipe out this species if you build where you say you're going to build, just for context. Yeah, I mean, it's either wiping out or disrupting their habitat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, the federal government could, could either uh, do it wholesale or it could do it at piecemeal. We, we, we don't know. And, and the, the provincial government has said to all of the developers who own that land, they've given them kind of time constraints, right? If, if you don't start work on this project within, within about a year or so, that the federal government, the provincial government can revert those lands back into the green belt. So this is a time limited measure. And if the federal government is going to try to interfere, uh, you know, that might complicate the entire thing. Because remember, yeah. the whole goal here is to build these homes by 2031, right? And, and, and if by, you know, uh, 2025, there's, there isn't construction that's happening, uh, there's a provincial election in 2026, that obviously puts the Ford government on its back foot. So, you know, the province obviously wants to accelerate this, and the federal government could be looking at any minor detail. I mean, if we're talking about insects, we're really talking about minor, yeah. uh, you know, environmental details here, let's be honest. But uh, at the end of the day, the feds do have that power to intervene and slow down the project. And to your earlier point, Greg, it seems like this might be a Hail Mary pass for environmentalists, but this might be the only thing, the last thing to really, if they're looking to derail this plan, to derail it. Well, and to your point, so there's so much interconnected, right? We just saw it in the in the mayoral uh, by-election in Toronto, the finger pointing about housing. And it, it could come certainly back around that every level of government, all three levels of government, are going to point their fingers at the other two. We may, maybe we have a federal election next spring, next fall. As you said, no mayoral election for another three years. No uh, no provincial election probably for another three years. Earliest might be early spring 26. But that's exactly it. You're going to see the different levels of government say, we did our part, we're trying to build, and we're getting blocked. And, and we just haven't seen that. We haven't seen um, the, the federal Trudeau government criticize the provincial Ford government for a lack of building. And we haven't seen that juxtapose either the other way around. This could sort of start that ball rolling and, and some of the some of the negative rhetoric could come towards each other. Yeah, I mean, it's a really weird time in politics, especially for political reporters who sometimes like a bit of that, you know, cut and thrust, a bit of that yeah. uh, animosity between levels of government. I mean, it's a big kumbaya movement um, in politics in Ontario federally, and, and we'll see it could be municipally as, um, as well. I, but, but you're right. I mean, everyone seems to be aligned on this goal of building 1.5 million homes. What they're not aligned on is the, the path towards getting to 1.5 million homes. You've seen the Ford government take a lot of very controversial measures from robbing municipalities of development charges uh, to opening up portions of the green belt, allowing municipalities to start you know, um, expanding their, their, uh, their construction boundaries beyond what they already had. I mean, all of these things are designed to build homes, mm-hmm. but they, you know, there are parties, whether they're liberal or NDP, that are kind of diametrically opposed to what the Ford government is doing. And a lot of environmentalists have made this point. They say, in Ontario, 
there is enough buildable land that you don't actually need to open up the 7,400 acres at the Greenbelt for housing construction. And so, and a lot of people are suspicious of the Ford government's motives here because some of these lands are owned by progressive conservative donors. And so if you take that into account, environmentalists saying you have enough land, in fact, the province's own housing task force had said you have enough land, then the federal government might look at that and say, "Mm, maybe it's time for us to intervene. Yeah, you can read this on uh, globalnews.ca. Great work from Isaac Callen and our guest right now, Colin DeMello. Colin, thanks for this this morning. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. I saw this Sunday and maybe it jumped out at me, Shiva, because I thought this felt like something that maybe somebody would be afraid to say three years ago. And maybe Stanley Tucci is a big enough name that he doesn't care if somebody, um, quote unquote, comes for him. But the headline's pretty simple. Stanley Tucci says he thinks straight actors should be able to play gay characters. Um, He did a new interview on the BBC. And he's a straight man, but he believes as an actor, you're supposed to play different people. You just are. That's the whole point of it. He played a gay character in The Devil Wears Prada with uh, Meryl Streep uh, in Supernova. I didn't see that three years ago alongside Oscar winner Colin Firth. His quote, I am always very flattered when gay men come up to me to talk to me about The Devil Wears Prada or the Prada or they talk about Supernova and they say that it was just so beautiful. You did it the right way because often it's not done the right way. I mean. We, won't, we don't have Brokeback Mountain with Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal if we're putting rules exactly. in like we need the best two gay actors we can find. I hope we can do it. I, I just that's not what acting is. That's it. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point of acting? You become you take on a brand new role, a brand new persona, and then you try to sell that to us. And then how we determine if you succeeded or not, you get an Oscar for it or an Emmy. So for me, I agree with you. I think that and Stanley Tucci that there, I think actors should be able to portray whoever they want. And why would you want to get boxed in? Let's say you were even a, uh, a gay actor. Why would you only want to get boxed into gay roles? Take example, for example, um, Neil Patrick Harris, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, he absolutely. Was, he's a womanizer in, in the show, yeah, right? Exactly. And he's a creepy, exactly. he's a creepy guy in, uh, Gone Girl. Follows, uh, yes. What a, what an amazing role he, uh, he, he, uh, That's a perfect example of someone who really embodied the character. You're not thinking about him in real life. You're actually, uh, you're identifying with the character that he's playing. That's that's who we're talking about right now, the womanizer. So if you're able to do that, that proves you're a good actor. I don't think that your sexual orientation should matter in the roles that you're taking on. I couldn't agree more. And and by the way, because it's art, so let's say the set of a television show or a movie is a workplace. Well, I, I do think your workplace should look like your society in the workplace. But if we're talking about art, I wouldn't necessarily say that that you should change your art so that Tom Hanks can't be the character in Philadelphia or Sean Penn can't be Harvey Milk, the gay activist in San Francisco. Those are both Oscar winning performances. I can't picture anybody else but Tom Hanks playing the character in Philadelphia. And I can't picture yes. anybody except Sean Penn, who like, again, like you could turn your head and you'd be like, what Sean Penn's married again to who what's going on? Madonna, Robin, Wright? Like he's all over the place, but, but he was, I don't know how he could have done it in a more heartfelt and dramatic manner. Now, if, if we're, I know the Oscars are changing their representation to say, y- y- you got, y- you got to make it a little bit, you know, tighten it up and, and make sure that, that you're, you're, set if you will exemplifies and resembles more of what 
England is or India or America or wherever you you film your film. And I understand that also. That makes sense. But for the art itself, um, I don't think you should. You, you said it perfectly. You shouldn't box people in. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Jim Parsons is another one who plays Sheldon Cooper in The Big Bang Theory. Right. He's a, a very much a socially awkward heterosexual character. Sarah Gilbert. Remember Darlene Connor? That's right. Yeah. Darlene, right? Um, so many actors out there. And, you know, we're getting texts in on this and somebody just asks, is it OK for gay act- actors to play straight men? Yes, absolutely. You're listing That's what we're tons of them here. that do. And, yes. and, and as as many people would make the point, um, many people aren't um, out out yet. Jodie Foster for years, yeah. she won an Oscar for The Accused, she won an Oscar for The Silence of the Lambs, and there were, though that's that's a really, how would I put it? Like, I don't know that I would say that that's a, that's not a role where she's dating somebody. Her sexuality, I suppose, could be left up for speculation because it's not really a part of the plot, but at the same time, you look and say, you know, sometimes it's nobody's damn business who's gay and, and who isn't. And it's you just it. are there for the for the art. And I'm relieved that when Tucci says this, Sheba, I think people I think people two years ago would just jump on something like this. And it sure happened on on Twitter a fair bit. And then all of a sudden this this machine starts. It's like turning a car engine where they're like, should we allow Stanley Tucci to still do stuff? He said something so <sighs> controversial. But I think we're getting a lot more. I think we're coming to a different view on this. And I think we start to realize that like so much, it's a small group of really aggressive people, activists, if you will. And it's just getting drowned out and less amplified because most people are like, really, that's like things are important. We just went through pride, but there's a lot of important issues surrounding sexuality and pride and being who you are. Absolutely, there are. But we're amplifying less ridiculous stuff like, oh, Stanley Tucci said something I'm offended by. Well, that's great. I'm not. So so we agree to disagree on on our offense level that he thinks straight men should play can play gay characters. Well, I think that's where we need to get to to agree to disagree as opposed to what we're coming out of cancel culture. I really hope we're coming out of cancel culture. I don't see as many people being canceled as they were a few years ago uh, for speaking up for for things that they rightfully believe in that shouldn't yeah. be offensive. We should be able to have this dialogue, have this conversation without being canceled. Uh, so let's see if you and I are on the air tomorrow for canceled. I don't. Well, um, I, you know, again, I. I'll say this. I'd love to have. I, I acted briefly. I would have loved to have played. No, you it. didn't. I did. I, I in high school I did. I kind of dropped oh. it for university, and then was doing more radio and TV stuff. I'd I'd love to revisit it, and I'd love to play a gay character. I'd love to play a gay character in a theater production. Someone send. Someone bring me. Well, out. it's not I too just late. Want three or four minutes. It's never too late. That's the name of the musical I want to be in. It's never too late. What about like a... I can't sing. I can't hold it. I think I could sing, actually, with the proper training. I'm what pretty about good. Play like Equus or something. What is that? That's a... Uh, it's well, it's it's full nudity on um, stage. Would you do that? Yeah, these are the kind of... Mu- these are the kind of... Uh, <laughs> Gord, pa- we're, we're front row. She just pounded her no, microphone into, row, uh, into oblivion. <laughs> I want to be in that play Anthony Fury was in before he became a columnist. Yeah, well, I are you do doing... that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I want to be in Jagged Little Pill. I need to get in touch with the Mervish people. Just about a cameo. Oh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's that difficult. Well, start off slow. Do the Nutcracker Christmas time. Oh be my one of the, gosh, the, the that seems, That's a bit cliched, I suppose. Yeah, which and... gets you under the stage and gets you comfortable. Then you move on from there. Just don't um, go right into the lead. <laughs> no, I say the, the full full nudity. That's 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 what you need to do to get fully comfortable. Is there a difference between the straight and gay nudity? Nudity's just nudity at a certain point. In time. I know, but still, you're, if you're comfortable doing that, then you can do anything. I don't know.
I just I want to go try out for rent and and see oh, how I do. I'd love to do. I'm. You guys think I'm kidding? I'd love to do it. Don't do rent. I'm just in the last ten minutes. I did not I'd know this about you. No, this is I awesome. love to act. I love this. This is the first I've ever heard you say this. I. I was Peter Rabbit in the fifth grade production of Peter Rabbit. Oh, when you get God. told in a class of thirty that you're the starring role as the as the bunny, that's a big moment. I I, I I don't I can't forget that moment. I had a couple solos in in that as Peter Rabbit. I was part of a two person uh, donkey in the nativity scene. At school. <laughs> the front of, tell me, come on, you're making back. a joke because oh, you, yeah, that's what you want. It's wanted. always the back. <laughs> All right, I'm going to head down and, and uh, I'm going to put a tape together for Mervish. I think. Do they still take tapes? VHSs? Maybe not. <laughs> yes, they do. Okay, I'm in. Submit it. Submit you'll see it tomorrow. Me. Yep, you'll see me at the uh, Pantage a little later on in the uh, in the calendar year, I think. Or tomorrow. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. We did, I can't remember when this happened, um, but uh, Shiba Siddiqui and myself both mentioned offhand, I think it was even in the 6 o'clock hour, so you're never sure who's up and is going to be you know, able to like, sometimes I can't get up on the weekend and even like, like find my phone, let alone work my phone. But we got a text message in from somebody who was like, you guys talking about your swimming pools, how unrelatable <laughs> to the average person. We're like, like, we're sorry. We don't ever mean to do the show and make anybody feel bad unless we're like actually calling somebody out specifically like a Marco Mendicino. I don't know if he has a swimming pool, whatever he should be in it. Um, really if, uh, if anything, so he doesn't read uh, today's headlines, but, but this is a day Sheba, wouldn't you say when people will be interested in using their own pools, but also going to places and calling up, kind of just reaching out to friends and neighbors who have yes. pools and relatives yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, is that what's going to happen to you today? Do you think anybody's going to reach out to you? I don't know. I, I mean, if some... well, you swim. Let's you know, if for anybody who doesn't know, you don't particularly like to wear a bathing suit. That's not true. I'll, sometimes I'll go in at night in my boxers, but I don't think that's a that's some kind of a. First of all, I've just announced that I plan to pursue a uh, career in the theater, uh, beginning right now, uh, and, Full and frontal have a second duty. life. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've announced that before eight o'clock and but my announcement now is that uh, that I think swimming pools become very, very valuable commodities uh, right now and right now only. I always wanted one like, you know, you grow up in life and you're like, I remember telling this story. Um, I got to go to California for work when I was like 26 with uh, when the Detroit Red Wings were playing on the road. And you go to California. I remember I was making like, I'll say it. I was making like 30 grand. I, I was I, I was living on my own. I was really thinking, how's this all going to go? Am I on the right path in life here? And then you're in California and you're at Santa Monica Pier and you're out walking in the morning before you got to kind of go to work at the arena. And you can't even ever believe you're going to get there. Owning a house with a pool with a mortgage is also sort of like that. I think for people, you just, you just never know whether you're going to get to those circumstances where you can afford a pool. And I'm really lucky. And yes, this time I will use the P word privileged that I, that we worked as hard as we did. And we got some breaks here and there and some good steps along the way. And we have a pool. I'm really proud of having a pool. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I don't think so either. I mean, if, and you're right, it is a privilege. So we, I mean, once you acknowledge that, yes. And we hummed and hawed, uh, when we moved into the house we're in, though, we, we hummed and hawed, should we put a pool in? We don't know. And then uh, right before the pandemic hit, we decided, because our kids were really young, we've got four kids. We yeah. thought, you know what? Even when the eldest gets bored of it, you still got the other three, then the other two, and then the one that's left. So we put it in coincidentally right before the pandemic. 
And then the pandemic hit and you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. And we, that you timed it perfectly. Unknowingly. Yes, we did. Unknowingly. So, but you know, I'll be honest with you. It's 2020. It's July 4th, 2023. Uh, I haven't been in the pool once this whole year. I can't defend that. Um, that lack of activity, and I'm really, dis- <laughs> I'm rarely disappointed in you, and I rarely express it when I, I have actually no am. I, why, Gore? I have no interest. Wh- is, in isn't the that pool. wrong? She has a pool, and she hasn't been in yet. She has a pool. Yeah, but I didn't get it for myself. Yeah, she got it for her kids. But do you not like water? And I love refre- water. And things I that are refreshing. Wanna- First of all, I hate <laughs> being in the pool with my kids. Because yeah. I'm just trying to relax and it's, mommy, look, mommy, look at this. Mommy, look what I can do. Oh, let's have a splash fight. Oh, let's tip mommy's rock. Let's all the, get away from this. This is a parenting issue. This is parenting with a capital P. <laughs> you need some courses. But then there's also, here's the thing. We lied to our kids. I, I take pride not lying to my kids, but I did lie to them about this. When we first got the pool, I said, listen, you guys, we've put a special chemical in the pool. So anybody who pees in the pool, it turns purple around you. I remember uh, you telling like, me this. Yeah. yeah, they were like wide-eyed, bug-eyed, fear in their eyes. And I'm thinking, what's been going on in all these other pools we've been in for all these years? Uh, but they'll get in the pool at like 8 a.m. And then they'll pop out for like a quick hot dog at lunch, jump back in. I don't see them use the bathroom once all day. They're so not going in there. There's no way I, they are. I think there's well, an I'm ethical... Well, I'm hoping they believe the purple... I hope they believe the purple, uh, the purple liquid around them. Kids don't have... Them. Look, kids don't have a lot of ethics... And and at a certain point in time, I I do, but I think that's a that's there's a real honor. Okay, system. I'm asking yeah. you a question. There, like, no, I'm asking like, you a question. Like from you. age age seven on, there's an honor system with getting out and going anywhere else. Go in the bushes if you're a boy. No, but, no. So hold on, hold on. I'm going to ask both of you this question. Okay, fine. In your adult lives, have you ever peed in a pool? Not in a million years. No way. <laughs> what? No. Gordon, you're quiet over there. I have. Where a lake is different. My my son was actually nope. horrified yeah. that like a three year old that we were at away somewhere, and he was horrified that a three year old boy peed in the lake. He was horrified. He's like, "I'm swimming in here." I'm like, "It's also oh, a lake." Fisher peeing, son. Greg, you're not in the you're not in the majority for this. Look I don't at think. any resort with a swim up uh, bar. Has any, you do you see anybody get out of there? No, they're sitting exactly. in that seat all day. I'm really, I'm shocked. I don't believe you. I'm shocked Brady, that you say this. I'm absolutely this. telling the truth. I reveal a lot more than your average host about my personal life. So much so that Mrs. Brady's like, stop it. But I have never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever <laughs> even <laughs> considered. Let me let it out here. And uh, maybe because of that purple discoloration thing. Yeah. There's no way. The vast, ma- Gord, you're in a, you're. In the- Gord, I'm feeling shamed right now. Like you're the moral compass He's of the show us. sometimes, Gord, because hey. Sheba and I just take chances and do silly things, and and you you're the center, the core here, and you just like launching number ones everywhere you See, go now in, now in chlorinated water is not what I expected. You're branding me as doing it all the time. <laughs> Sheba asked if I have ever what, done why it. Why did and you I did. do it? Why did now now I'm going to be the parent? Why did you do it? Because why was, did you do it? Did you really think you could get away with it? Well, you actually you did. I did. You, you did. did. Okay, fine. Because it was it was safer than uh, staggering to the bathroom at the resort. <laughs> it probably wasn't. <laughs> oh, everybody! No, listen. If the bath sometimes the bathroom is far from the resort, like the resort pool, you know, and you're in the pool, and if you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> I don't do it all the time, but in that particular instance yes i mean we're not talking you're not stuck in traffic on the 401 and you're like do i have an empty (laughs) tennis ball can in the car here like you're not like that doesn't i'm not talking about that by the way and i did i'm not admitting anything or denying anything but anyway 
the pool is a different, it's a common area. It's mm-hmm. and and they bring that. Don't you yeah. see them come by and they do those tests? Yeah. And so somebody could dip in for the test and you'd be like, They'd and then they're going to give you the us. evil eye. Oh, they might. If you're still, if you're no. the only person sitting in there. If you think well, I'm that's the only, the key you think I'm the only person in the world that does no, this? I don't. Just look at the resort. Next time you're at a resort, just watch the pool and see who gets out and who yeah. doesn't. Uh, what is Brady? That? Majority of people pee in the pool. I'm I'm only accepting texts on this. I don't want to have conversations with people. <laughs> I do want to have conversations with people who uh, who don't have a pool who are seeking out others. Um, I'd love to hear that. And if you own a pool, I'd love to hear from you. Do you kind of get these texts and, and phone calls? Uh, basically, like in the next hour or so, 416-870-6400. And by the way, nobody ever regrets putting in a pool. Nobody does. If it, you'll, you'll, you'll never, ever, ever regret doing it unless you're just way too excessive with some of the bells and whistles and whatnot. We get this text in. Yep, I haven't been in my pool this year until this morning. Why not? I'm in every day. I admit it's tough to get teenagers to do it. And I will also admit that my parents put one in in 1982. I'm nine turning 10. And I went in a ton, but then probably from 14, 15, you go through that awkward, gawky teenage thing. And if your sisters have friends over, you don't want to go out there. Like, that's the last thing you want to do on hot days is, is be seen.